Deep in the Peruvian Andes, local people have taken control of the mountain roads. There are supporters of the deposed president, Pedro Castillo, who was arrested in December after trying to dissolve Congress and rule by decree. Welcome to the What Matters Today podcast from the Geneva Graduate Institute. I'm Dan Graham, head of communications at the Institute. In this podcast series, we ask members of our faculty to comment on key global issues. On December 7th of last year, Peruvian President Pedro Castillo was removed by Congress and arrested on charges of rebellion and conspiracy. This has led to weeks of violent protests in Peru that have resulted in the deaths of at least 48 people. Protesters are demanding the dissolution of Congress, the resignation of Peru's new president, Dina Boluarte, new general elections, and the release of Castillo. In this episode of What Matters Today, we look at the underlying causes of these protests and why they are so violent. We also discuss what comes next and how will this crisis potentially end. Since the removal of former President Pedro Castillo from office on 7 December, anti-government protests have multiplied across the country, resulting in deaths and injuries. People are now demanding the demissal of new President Dina Boluarte, the dissolution of Congress and new elections. How did Peru arrive at such a situation? There are two types of answers. Uh, one would be short-term and one would be long-term or something more profound. On the short-term, it is uh, politics, you know. That is, since 2000, Peru has had uh, one president every second year. So it is not uncommon to change president and uh, some of them have been uh, accused or uh, judged or even one committed suicide uh, for corruption motives. So this is a very unstable political system. Right. And especially between the Congress and the president. Why? Because the Congress has the power to inhabilitate the, the, the president uh, on a simple vote. And this may sound shocking, but the president has a very limited power and capacity. What happened was that Castillo was judged largely uh, by the Congress and by many people uh, within Peru as incompetent. And this would also be my judgment. He was not the right person for at the right moment. Peru has had a huge crisis in 2020, right, yeah. uh, social, economic, etc. Maybe we talk about that later. But the Congress, he was from a Peru Libre, which is uh, a political party that is so described as being um, Marxist or something like that, even if in practice it doesn't mean uh, much. Yet the, the, the majority of the Congress was clearly uh, on the right. And they tried, they already had tried two times to have him ejected or incapacitated as a president and 
uh, on December 7th, he tried to dissolve the Congress. Right. So there is a problem here. We have a problem with the Congress. The, the problem is that the Congress is dispersed. There are so many parties and those parties don't represent really the population of the country. The approbation rate in the, the surveys of the Congress is something like 10%. So it's very low. Uh, Castillo was uh, maybe hated by half of the population of uh, Peru, but 20 to 30 percent were really in favor of him, especially people from the south of the country and from the Altiplano. So when he was dismissed as a president, uh, Boluarte was elected. She was from the same party, the same political party, Peru Libre. But she took distance from that party and got closer to uh, the the right and extreme right present at right. the yep. uh, in the Congress. So she's now backed by those people that uh, were their common enemy at the time. But now she has reached an alliance with them. So she was just expulsed by her. Yeah, you saw that. Yes, she yeah. was just expulsed um, a week ago by Peru Libre, that famous party. So the Congress has something else. It is the president has to respect the vow of the Congress when they want to send the armed force against protesters. And that's what they did. So that was... Uh, in different cities and also uh, now in Lima. That is shocking for us. But in Peru, life of the poor has no real value. This is something that has to do with the, the complexity of the society. Yeah, and on that point, I think this is very interesting because you kind of painted a picture of um, instability from a long time. But how do you explain the sudden rise in violence and, and what are the deep roots of this protest that just doesn't seem to be slowing down? Yeah, that's the second part of the answer. That, that is the background. The background is that Peru, in fact, is not that a poor country. It's a middle income country. You could say it's the fifth uh, economy in Latin America. And it got much better in terms of uh, economic uh, since 2000, it had a growth rate of 8% to 5% every single year. Chinese rates, no? So, so this is shocking. What is happening? What is happening is that wealth is, of course, uh, very badly, very wrongly distributed. It is reserved for a certain elite, maybe 10% of the population. So the rest of the country is left out of public services, hospitals, health care, education, good education, and so on. So the most, the, of course, this is normal, but you, you would say, but the, the, the further you go, the more marginalized people are. And in the mountains, for example, it's a rate of poverty of uh, 70 to 75 percent. So it's huge. So there is a, a kind of uh, uh, separation. There are two Peru, the winning Peru and the losing Peru. 
And the losing Peru, when there was the COVID-19 in 2020, lost even more. That is, it it went very, very bad for them. So poverty started to rise again. And those people, they they have lost the few jobs they, they had. 75% of the jobs are in the informal sector, it has to be said. So it's very fragile. It's a very fragile economy. And when you have a crisis, it strikes immediately. So the 2020 crisis stroke very hard on these people in the mountains, in the Amazon region, etc. So that is why you didn't need much as a trigger. And the trigger was, of course, the eviction of uh, Castillo, because these people had voted for him and they backed him because he was one of theirs. Right. He, he was a small uh, teacher from a small place lost in, in the middle of Peru, but they, they identified with him strongly, whereas they don't with uh, Boluarte, which they consider as a traitor. Right. You mentioned something very interesting about the populations in the Andes and the poverty. And then you even mentioned that the value of the, the lives of poor people is not even considered in, in many cases. But what are the particular problems of uh, the peasants and indigenous populations in the Andes? You, you mentioned employment, but what are some of the other issues that they're facing? Exclusion. Uh, of course, and marginalization, low access to services, no formal jobs, etc. And this is valid uh, as much as the Amazon part, which is uh, something like 50% of the, the total territory. We always think of Peru as being a, a country of mountains. Yeah. Maybe you've been to the uh, to Cusco and these uh, sites, etc. So you imagine Peru as a mountain country, but it is not. It, half of the country, first, well, you, you have the coast, which is kind of desert, uh, and, and you have the Amazon part, and in between you have these mountains. But in the Altiplano, that, that is high in the mountains, people still live like 200 years ago. They have no running water, they have no electricity, they, right. they have no, uh, maybe a cow, maybe some sheep. It's, it's a hard life and it's cold up there. Yeah. So most of the population, I, I would say 60% of the population has a hard time, economically speaking, even if Peru was succeeding. So this is the background. And another aspect is culture. There is a division since the, the, the Spanish conquest. There is a division between Lima, the capital city, or different uh, cities, large cities, and the rest of the country. And um, maybe in terms of uh, population, Peru is the second uh, or the third country in Latin America with, with the most indigenous population. So what I've said for uh, the, the rural communities is even worse for the indigenous communities. They, they really don't have access to any modern facilities. You, you can figure out the picture. And so there is something very deep. And there is also something very deep that facilitated in the 80s, the Sendero Luminoso uh, movement, that is guerrilla and almost civil war. 
it is the fact that most of that population don't identify with the elites in Lima. They they have their own culture, their own language, Quechua, Mara, right. um, etc. And there is somewhere the idea that one day, it may sound uh, very rude, but someday we will get them out in their boats and back to uh, Europe or something. There, there is something like that, no? It's, it's, in, it's deep in the culture yeah. that uh, we are different. And it's the same. The elite, they don't have much consideration for the local population, local communities. They, I think uh, this gap is very wide and hard to, to resolve. And many have tried. There was even in the, at the beginning of the 70s, a, a military government that was at the left, on the left side of the spectrum. And they, they tried to uh, have a agrarian revolution and redistribution of land because as most country in Latin America, there are huge inequalities, no? The 10% owns uh, 60% of the wealth of the country. That's uh, regular. So land was a crucial issue. So they tried to distribute land, but it wasn't very successful. And then uh, the recent growth of the country was linked especially to mining, the mining sector, gold, copper, and China, of course, the demand from China. So this was also a very concentrated uh, wealth. And that population, that uh, indigenous population, or Aymara, Quechua, didn't uh, get their share of this uh, growth. And you mentioned the size of the indigenous population as one thing that makes Peru a bit different than other Latin American countries. But what is particular about Peru compared to other Latin American countries? Uh, it's a, of course, it's an Andean country, and uh, it, it's complicated because Peru has had difficult times with uh, most of its neighbors. They have had a war with uh, Chile that is not forgotten. Maybe with Bolivia, they, it's very similar to Bolivia, but absolutely not to Ecuador because they have a tension with Ecuador etc., etc. They, they, they have many tensions. It, it's Andean. It's an Andean country, basically, no? Many difference. I would say it's very close to Chile in the sense that most of the Peruvian revenues are from mining, the mining sector. This is like Chile. They also have some gas in the uh, Amazon part. But I would say Peru is not that different because they, they have had... Uh, political in instability for many decades, uh, like the other countries. And when there is a left wave over Latin America, they are part of it. So th it's not very different. It's uh, also a division between left and right. When you have a leftist government, they, they have populist uh, policies. And then you have a sudden change towards uh, neoliberalism. That's the same with other countries. So it's, I don't see that many difference between uh, other countries. The point is, 
that Latin America is undergoing a very strange moment right now. You have seen the events in Brazil. Argentina is undergoing with a leftist populist government is undergoing a hundred percent uh, inflation this uh, in right. in 2022 Chile has undergone has a leftist government for the first time since Allende and has a social crisis a tremendous crisis and many protests as you have known and uh, many many countries are again unstable maybe this is due to the the chi- the fact that china has less demand and that all these countries have become more dependent on exports of minerals and soy and meat etc to china so maybe china being in a bad moment economically speaking doesn't favor a renewal in Latin America after the the COVID crisis. Right, right. And for my final question, don't know if you have an answer for this one, but how do you see this crisis ending? What's going to happen next? Dina Boluarte just asked the Congress to uh, to advance the elections. The regular elections uh, uh, would have taken place in 2026, So uh, she asked to advance them in 2024, next year, and now it's 2023 under the pressure of the street. But the Congress has rejected that proposal. And something that you need to understand with the Congress, it is that they can't be re-elected a second time. They have to wait uh, five years to be able to be re-elected. So they, they have no interest yeah, in yeah. Uh, calling new elections right, yeah. in, in the country. So that may seem uh, shocking, but it's perfectly understandable from their perspective. No, you, you have one opportunity to, to make the most uh, uh, money. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so maybe uh, in the end, the pressure of the street, especially that all that people have started to gather in Lima. So maybe finally they will have to accept uh, new elections. But these elections will have a limited effect because you still have this uh, huge division of the country. And this division will not be resolved by elections. It has, the the country has to undergo uh, huge reforms. The question is, who is going to reform the country? And I have no answer to that. Well, Ray, this has been very interesting, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of What Matters Today. Thank you, then. That was Professor Mark Hufty discussing the protests in Peru. This podcast series is produced by the Geneva Graduate Institute Communications team. For more information about the Institute, please visit our website at graduateinstitute.ch. I'm Dan Graham. Thanks for listening.